Hey everybody, this is the Wild Ass Podcast and I am your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode 40 and in this episode I get to introduce all of you to Dana D'Arcy. You may not have heard of Dana, but she's kind of a big deal when it comes to the long distance motorcycle riding community. In terms of years riding, she's a relatively new rider, but in less than a decade, she holds a world record. We're going to talk to her about that for sure, but more importantly, I want to share this story with all of you. We're going to jump right into this. So Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you. It's been. I uh, feel honored that you asked me. <laughs> it's been a long time in the works, hasn't it? Yes. We've I been, think we talked about this like uh, March, last I, March. I think you might be right. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny how time gets away and then, yeah. and then holidays get in the way. Yeah. If, uh, if we were going to date, I would have dumped you. Because you said, I'll call you. And that was the last I heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a good one. That's funny. (laughs) Well, I did eventually call you and evidently we're back on that date. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. So I have heard, I know of a couple of podcasts that you've been on. I listened to Denver's The V-Twin Life and you were also on Shop Talk. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Were you on any others? Mm -hmm. Motorcycle men. Oh yeah, yeah with Ted. Yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm not yeah. your first, but I'm still glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and Deidre, she has a podcast not of motorcycling. Okay, it's of people and things, different things that they're doing and stepping out of their comfort zone and things like that. Well, you've done that and I can't wait to hear those parts of the story. And that's what I want people to learn about you. Cause you know, we met at hops rally for the first time officially. Uh, No, it wasn't Mm -hmm. hops rally. No, I'm sorry. It was at the party celebrating his big ride and uh, briefly met. There was a bunch of people there and then it was finally Daytona when we actually got to visit, visit. And uh, it it was very cool. So Thank you for your patience and thank you for coming on. Now you have listened to the show, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you you know what to expect, but basically I like to get your story, I like to get your background um and share that with people because I think the more people that get to know you, they're you're going to inspire a lot of people here. So I'm really excited for this one. It's funny because sometimes I feel like if I've repeated my story, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know I get inspired by people and I forget that somebody actually may be inspired with my story. And it's hard from your perspective because, you know, putting myself in your place. Yeah. You've said this story a bunch of times, right? So you're repeating yourself, but Mm -hmm. this is our first time hearing it. So that's cool. Right. Yep. In getting your story, when were you first introduced to motorcycles? When I was in high school, Actually, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, my dad had a Honda, it was a 750, and he said, if you can hold it up, you can ride it, and I couldn't hold it up, but he would pick me up from school, and it's funny, because I don't remember him picking my sister up from school, So like you I was the tomboy. Okay. Did he have motorcycles when you were a little girl then? When I was in fifth or sixth grade, and that's the only motorcycle I remember him having. And then when he was stationed in Panama, he had it shipped to Panama, 
and it was stolen. And that was the last bike. The one and only bike I remember my dad having motorcycle. So when it was time for me to get my uh, driver's license in high school, my sister's older than me, less than two years, but she got a car. And um, for some reason, my dad didn't get me a car. He got me a moped. So like, I had this moped. I was going to say a moped, with it, like the pedal start mopeds? Mm-hmm. Oh, those yep. are awesome. Yeah. I rode this thing around. I mean, I remember it was like 22 cents. I'd ride it all day, and then I'd go to fill it up as 22 cents. And um, <laughs> my dad said, I think I'm going to get you a motorcycle. I think you'll be safer on a motorcycle. But how often you hear that, right? Yeah, right. But he said, because you need some power like to get out of the way. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think anything of, you know, with being on the moped. So he got me a Yamaha 200. And uh, I had that my junior, half of my junior year and then my whole senior year. So this is like, this is 1984. Okay. And then I joined the army. So here I am leaving for the army. It's May of 84. And my dad sold my motorcycle, which I wasn't upset about it because I knew I was going in the army. But I thought to myself, I'll have another motorcycle one day. And I think I told you this in just our little conversation that I thought the only vehicles anybody would ever need was a motorcycle and a Jeep. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I said, I'm thinking one for winter, one for summer. And this is in Southern Indiana. This is how I'm thinking. And I'm 17 because I graduated high school when I was 17. So here I am 17, getting rid of my motorcycle, just knowing like one day I'll, I'll have another motorcycle. So fast forward, I'm in my 20s. And I said to my husband, I think it was like 23. And I go, oh my gosh, because we were talking about motorcycles. And I said, yeah, but I know I'll get another motorcycle one day. And I said, wouldn't it be cool to ride from Maine to California? And I'm like putting my hands up in the air, like Maine to California. And he patted my shoulder and he goes, can you wait till I die and do that with someone else? Because he was like not wanting to do that. Oh, no. Yeah. And here it's like, I go, oh, okay. Well, and I just tucked that back, you know, in the back of my brain, like at like 23. So as time goes on, I'm like, okay, I knew what I was going to do when I was 30. I knew what I was going to do when I was 40. And I said, I'll get another motorcycle when I, when I turn 50. I don't know how I came up with this stuff, but I said I had a, like little milestones and um, I ended up not doing, I was going to get a tattoo when I was 40 and my dad hated tattoos, although he had a tattoo. He had a tattoo of uh, airborne because he was drunk and uh, the next day his arm hurt and he felt his arm and he had toilet paper, dried toilet paper on his arm and oh, there was no. this tattoo. He was in the army, obviously. Yeah. So he hated tattoos, but for some reason, when I turned 40, I was going to get this tattoo, but he passed away when I was 39, which is, this doesn't make any sense at all. I was going to get a tattoo, even though I knew my dad didn't like tattoos, but when he died, when I was 39, I said, you know what? Out of respect, I won't get a tattoo, but I was going to do it if he was alive. Does that make sense? But anyways, that's so (laughs) retarded, but 
And when I was 39 and he passed away, I'm like, I'm not going to get that tattoo like I talked about, you know, because yeah. I know my dad hated tattoos. So anyways, that was my thing I was going to do when I was 40. And then I said, I'm going to get a motorcycle when I'm 50. Well, then I was 47. And I'm like, if I'm going to get a motorcycle when I'm 50, I really should like start practicing. So I got my endorsement and I I rented for like two years from Harley and uh, rode with Debbie and uh, Lori. Well, that's cool. So you got to test ride the bikes you thought you might want. Yes. Well, I, I just, cause I had looked into, I'm like, I really liked the road glide. But for those two years, I always got, I borrowed this bike. Uh, one of the guys I work with, he used to go, anytime you want to ride my bike, Dana, you know, put some miles on it. Cause I put more miles on it than he did. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had a fat boy. So I would ride that. And then I always rented a heritage. And then one weekend, I'm quite superstitious. One weekend, I said, I'm going to rent a road glide. And when I went to rent it, when I called to make sure everything was cool that, you know, oh, we're, we're still on for tomorrow. And they said, oh, uh, one's rented and the other one is in the shop. And they said, but um, they said like a street glide or something. And I go, no, 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 I'll just take a heritage. And, and I'm glad that happened that way. Because let me tell you, when I got my, when I first got my endorsement, I'm going to back up. When I first got my endorsement, I thought you just to go rent a bike. I got my endorsement and a week later I had a day off mm-hmm. and I go to rent a bike Yeah. and I go in and, the, and I said, I'd like to rent a bike. And they go, okay, what day? And I said today. And they go, Oh um, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Like you have to reserve it and then we get it ready for you. And I went, Oh, okay. And they go, well, what would you like to rent when you, you know, rent a bike? And I said, a road glide. The general manager hears this from his office and he comes out and he goes, wait, when did you get your endorsement? And I said, a week ago. And he goes, and you want to rent a road glide? And I go, yeah. And he looks at the guy that rents the bikes and he goes, don't rent her a road glide. He goes, Show her some heritages, uh, fat boys, show her something else. And he goes, you're not, you're not renting a road glide. And I'm so glad he did not let me rent a road glide. I think I would have ran it off in a ditch and it would have uh, stopped me for a little while. Absolutely. I hear that so yeah. many times. People, when they, they get their endorsement or they get their license and they're like, what should I get for my bike? What should I get for a first bike? I'd really like to get this. Yeah. A lot of people will say, yeah, do it. But most of us that have been around for a while now, like that guy, says, no, I think you need something a little bit smaller. Somebody told me, they said, yeah, and maybe this was a salesperson. This sounds like a sales pitch. Somebody said, yeah, don't get a bike that you're going to grow out of. Get a bike that you're going to grow into. And I was like, oh, okay, because I always thought I want, you know, I'm like, I want a road bike. But the day, the first day I rented a Heritage, of course, he makes me ride around the parking lot. And then I pull up to him and I said, I hate this heel shifter. And I just look at him. Now, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, 
oh, he's going to take this thing off for me because it's, it's bugging me. And I don't use a heel shifter. And I, he just looks at me and I look at him and there's like a awkward silence, you know, and <laughs> I go, oh, okay, well, I'll just ride around for a little bit more in the parking lot. He goes, okay. And I rode, rode, rode. And then finally I looked up and he's gone. He went back in the building. Like this girl's just going to ride around in this parking lot all day. And finally I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to get out on the road. And when I go to get out on the road, I'm like, oh, there's a stop sign. Like all that stuff was so big, you know, like I'm going to have to put my feet down. And then I remember I had to make a, I had to take a ramp to get onto, uh, you know, we, down here in South Florida, we don't have any turns, but we do have off ramps and sure. on ramps. So that's our, our little curve. And I remember having to turn and I go, oh my gosh, I think the bike's just going to go straight. And then I, I went, oh yeah. And I turned, I moved my eyes to the right and then the bike went to the right and I go, that really does work. Like, you know, what I had learned in class. Yeah. And I, I rode that bike all day up and down up and down and um this one straight away and practicing u-turns and all this uh it's it started to rain and so i'd ride away from the rain and then the rain would be somewhere else and i turned and by the time i turned this bike in the guy dave he's like you you rode this bike more than people ride their bike like all all month and I go, really? I think I had ridden like 200 and some odd miles, literally just riding all day, maybe like 50 miles from my house, going around and around and around. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, wow. Like I was just so <laughs> impressed with myself, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, for two years, I rented. I rented 2004, uh, part of 14 all of 15. And then in 2016, I, um, I said to Lori and Debbie, I go, okay, uh, let's go. I'm ready to buy a bike. And I had already been shopping for those two years. And, uh, there was four dealerships that I was looking, looking at and talking with. I mean, I'd go in these dealerships, they'd be like, oh my gosh, she's back. She's not going to buy shit, but she's back, (laughs) you know, asking questions and, Seeing what out the door. I mean, you know, it's just funny. Well, now that I look back on it. So in 2016, September, I got my first bike. It was a Heritage. So you bought a Heritage first? Yep. 2016? Yeah. How long did you have that bike? I had that bike. That's uh, what I did my first Hoka Hay on. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, I had that bike. And this is hilarious. I said, I'm going to keep it stock. Yeah, right. When I got behind somebody with really good lights, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll put some extra lights on it, you know, because you don't even realize how dim the lights are. Now, then you get these auxiliary lights and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see. But let me back up. When I was, I think I had already gotten my bike. I was with Lori Rocco, Debbie Herzuelo, and these were my two rules when I first got my bike. I said, girls, I don't want to ride on the highway. And they're like, okay. And I go, and not at night. Those were my two my rules for myself. The first weekend we're riding, 
we had to go on the highway. We had to go on the turnpike. And uh, Debbie goes, I'm really sorry, Dana, but there's an area where we have to go on the turnpike because we were going to her dad's house, which is like five hours from us. And she's like, is that okay? And I go, well, do I have a choice? You know, like I didn't want to go on the highway. And then that Sunday when we were coming back, it's like, okay, we need to get home, but it's going to get dark, Dana. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to ride at night. Is that okay? And I go, well, do I have a choice now? You know, and I rode at night and I was like, okay, okay. You know, so the two things that I said I didn't want to do the first weekend, I ended up doing it. And I needed that push. I needed that, you know, or I would have been like just a day rider. You got the push, but you got it from somebody that's kind of holding your hand doing it. Yeah, right? I was with them. Yeah. And that was that was the end of 16 or early 17. But I, I keep saying I want to back up. I heard about the Hokahay in 14. I didn't know the Hokahay Motorcycle Challenge. The old owner of the, the dealership near me was owned by E.B. Chester. He owned Chester's Harley dealership, okay. Harley-Davidson. And he is an old-time Hokahay writer, huh. him and his wife. So when I was getting my endorsement, I didn't know, like, he, he was getting ready to do Hokahay 2014. And during my break, when I was getting my, you know, taking the class, I was talking with him, not knowing who he was, and he's sitting there getting his bike ready, and I have no idea he owns the dealership. I just thought it was this gentleman. I literally thought Harley just lets you pull your bike in and get it ready for a trip. Oh, sure. Because he had his motorcycle in the dealership, him and his wife's motorcycle, and I went over I'm talking to him and I and I'm like, um, oh, these are your bikes? And he goes, Yeah, this one's mine, this one's my wife. And I go, Oh, how many miles do you have on your bike? And I, I always ask people, how many miles do you have? How many for some reason I'm like thrilled with like these big miles. And he told me and I said, Oh my gosh, I go, Are you retired? And he goes, No. And I said, What do you do? And he goes, Oh, I own a dealership. It, we're standing in his dealership. I thought he meant car dealership, you know. So sure. I said, oh, you own a dealership. So, oh, he goes, yeah, I, I have some free time. I said, oh, okay. Well, I walk away from him. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on a big trip. I go, oh, okay. Not knowing, you know, what he's getting ready to do. So when I walked away, this guy says to me, he goes, you know who that is? And I go, I have no idea who that guy is. And he goes, that's E.B. Chester. He owns the dealership. I go, oh, okay. He goes, he's getting ready to to do the Hokahay Motorcycle Challenge. I go, oh, what's that? So the guy told me. So that's just put back in my, you know, I filed that away. And I'm like, oh, that sounds, that sounds cool. And then in 16, when I was still just renting, I was following Kenneth Andrews online. And he announced he is going to do the Hokahay Motorcycle Challenge. And I went, wait. I know, I know about that. And so I watched that and then I just, I just got hooked. Interesting. So in 2016, they had the trackers and it was all online just like now. Yes. Okay. So I'm watching and I read up on the people. I read their bios and um, 
the only one that I knew that was going to be writing was Kenneth. And I had never met him. I just knew he was writing. It was somebody that I followed him on this lame Facebook group. And he was the only one on this Facebook group that actually posted rides, like real rides. Sure. So I'm like, oh, he's doing that ride that I know about. And it's somebody, you know, it's like, oh, I'll follow him. I'll watch him. So then I just read about everybody and followed 2016 to the point my boss goes, what is up with you? Because in between my cases at work, I'm like on my phone. And she goes, you're never on your phone. And you're constantly on your phone right now. What are you doing? And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm watching this. I'm watching this motorcycle challenge. And, you know, I'd show her all the little icons are people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just watching this, just rooting for people. You know, it's like, I didn't even know who Junie was, but I, I'm i watching. I'm like, go, Junie, because I'm reading, like, people's comments, you know. Come on, Junie. So, sure. um, yeah. And there's one, there's one girl in particular, Wendy Battles. She has done, I think, a couple of Hoka Hate motorcycle challenge. She has a very interesting story. And uh, I remember when I got to meet her and her boyfriend at the time, they're still together, Bill Reynolds. When I finally got to meet her, I was so excited to meet her. And here she has a road glide. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like when I finally got a road glide, I go, Wendy has a road glide. I can, I can ride it. Wendy has one. I can do it. Right. Wendy's riding it, you know? It's like, yeah, and she totally inspired me. As a matter of fact, I got a bunch of her stuff from her heritage that she um, had given me, her uh, tour pack for the heritage. And, and uh, yeah, so it's funny. You meet people along the way, and you just get little, you know, little tidbits of information. And, and her and Bill helped me a lot, I think so. Well, that's good. So yeah. you ran it. You said you ran your heritage in the Hokahei. In 18. In 2018. Yes. Yeah. So I had my heritage from September 18. And then after, I mean, 2016, after I did 18, Hokahei, I had like 46,000 miles or something like that on my heritage. And I thought I was just going to keep it. And I don't know how, but I ended up at the dealership two years after I bought my Heritage and I'm getting a road glide. And um, yeah, because I was like, oh my gosh, I put over 40,000 miles on my Heritage in two years. So I'm like, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to get a road glide. Like I was talking with the salesman and I think I went in for an oil change and next thing I know I'm getting a road glide instead. Yeah, right. So So two-year-old Heritage, that's quite a few miles. How yeah. many how many did you put on before the Hokahe? And um, how, did, how did you so when you got the bike and you started uh-huh. you went out on that first weekend trip with the girls? Yeah. How did you get into longer distance riding? Oh, you're gonna love this one. And Debbie and Lori, they're always like, Well, technically we didn't leave you. So I was talking with Wendy and you know, about her doing the Hokahe and I only rode with Lori and Debbie. I like I would ride just a little bit by myself. And 2017 for Bike Week in Daytona, Kenneth Andrews and Ken Cowork were doing the 100 CCC. 
So they're starting in Jacksonville. And I said to Lori and Debbie, because we're going up for bike week, you know, that that weekend. And I said, there's these long distance riders and they're in Jacksonville and they're going to they're going to ride to San Diego and then they're going to come back. Because, you know, Lori and Debbie didn't know about Iron Butt Association. Sure. And I said, they're doing 100 CCC. Well, the whole time we're riding up to Daytona. I keep saying about these two long distance riders that are in Jacksonville. They're going to be in Jacksonville. We should, we should meet them. We should go to Jacksonville. (laughs) Well, on our last gas stop before our hotel, I said, are we going to go to Jacksonville? Those long distance riders are right up in Jacksonville. And Debbie goes, Dana, I'm not going to meet total strangers in Jacksonville. And I said, Lori, you want to go? And she goes, no. And I said, well, I'm going. So I texted Ken Coward. I said, hey, where are you? I will be there in like an hour and a half or whatever it was. And he's like, well, we're going to be getting ready for bed because, you know, they're going to go on this big ride. And I said, okay, I'm coming. So <laughs> <laughs> I ride from, I think we were like south of Saint. you know, we were near Daytona and I ride up to Jacksonville to meet total strangers and I witnessed their ride. Um, that's when you needed the witnesses for the iron butt rides. Okay. And, uh, I went with them and they got the water from the ocean and then I left. So I left and it was late at night. It's freezing. I'm riding to get back to the hotel. So that's my one little time I rode by myself and now it's dark and it's cold. So they go on their ride and, and Ken Cowart, his bike gives out like in Louisiana. And I was like, oh, bummer. I wanted to see them like, you know, do this 100 CCC. Yeah. But anyways, Lori and Debbie bought me a um, a sticker, not a sticker, but a patch for my vest. And it says strangers have the best candy. <laughs> because here I am meeting these, but I didn't feel like they were strangers. They're like these long distance riders that I've read about and I've watched their watched their rides, looked at their rides on Facebook. So I felt like I knew them. So that weekend when we were in Daytona, it's Sunday and we have to leave. And Debbie's going, oh, it's going to rain. Oh, it's going to rain. Oh, it's going to rain. And I go, okay, well, then we should leave to get back down to Fort Lauderdale. We're five, We're like five hours from Daytona or four, four and a half, something like that. And uh, she goes, you know what, let's just stay another night. And I said, I can't, I have to work tomorrow. And she goes, oh, you really don't want to ride in the rain. And she rebooked the hotel. She goes, oh, I'm going to stay. And Lori goes, yeah, I'll just call out from work. And then Debbie goes, oh, just stay, Dana. And I go, I can't stay, I have to work tomorrow. And I'm so annoyed at the fact that we went there together and now she's going to leave me. But technically she says, we didn't leave you, we just, you left us. So I get on my bike and I'm so annoyed because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to ride, ride home by myself. And it took me longer than five hours because of the traffic and the rain. And I actually I had to stop at a subway and sit there for an hour because it was, the rain was so horrible. Wow. And I have my, I have my nice heritage with my dim lighting. And uh, I finally get home at like, probably 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. But before I get home and I'm riding, 
I'm crying and I'm on my bike. I'm not crying because I'm like, I finally am going to make it. I'm crying because I'm like, oh my gosh, I freaking did it. I rode by myself over five hours in the rain, in the dark, by myself. On the highway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in traffic. And, And I've always told them, I go, Thanks for leaving me. That's the best thing you guys ever did. And um, I called Wendy and, and I said, I was crying. And she goes, no, I get it. I said, I wasn't, you know, I was just so proud of myself. Cause I'm like, that's what I needed. I needed that kick, like to be kicked out of the nest. And from that moment on, I'm like, yep, if I can do that, I can, you know, I can ride. It's like, nope, it's, it's okay. I don't need a group, a group ride. So that's, that was the, that was the pivotal moment. That was March of 17. But I knew in like 16, I'm like, oh, I want to do, I want to do Hokahei. So I started, they called me the stalker. I stalked all Hokahei people. I'm like, I want to meet that person. I want to meet them. Because I just thought every single person you met that's done the Hokahei, they don't even realize it, but they'll, they'll give you this some little pearl, you know, of wisdom. They'll sure. say one little thing and, and I'm just, I'm everything. I'm just listening, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, that's um, awesome. So you said you had to get back to work. So we haven't talked about what you do. So share that because my next question is usually when I talk to people that get to ride a lot is what the hell do you do for work that allows you so much time off? I'm a nurse anesthetist and I don't know if I have, I guess I have a lot of time off, but I, um, my vacations are writing. That's what, you know, or I would, uh, like try to do a holiday weekend. I remember one July 4th weekend we're riding. It's like the worst time to ride, try to get out of Florida. And Michael Brennan is like, why'd you guys decide this weekend of all weekends to ride? You know, and the traffic is horrible. And I go, cause we have three days off. You know, it's like the only time we could go. But yeah, so I'm a nurse anesthetist. And I used to, I know I'm jumping all over the place. I used to, whenever I have patients and I have just a little bit of time to talk to them before a procedure, I go, so what do you do for a living? And they tell me. And now I don't ask anybody what they do for a living. And this is, this is why. Because as motorcycle people, as riders, there's times you don't even know what each other do. And it's like, we don't even care. The common denominator is riding. It's like, oh, what do you ride? Oh, where do you live? Like, you know, you, you're thinking logistics, like, oh, they, they're able to, they live in, you know, Oklahoma, they can get out. They're like in the center of the United States, they can get out. Oh, um, not too bad winters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now when I talk to patients, I'll start off, I go, so, and before I can say my line of, what do you do for fun? I've had, I've said to patients, so what do you do for fun? And they're about to tell me what they do for a living. And I've had people go, I've never been asked that. Or they'll go, oh, let me think about that. Oh, I haven't been asked that. They're just so used to people going, so, so what do you do for a living? Yeah, absolutely. So now I go, what do you do for fun? Because I know what I do for fun. But it's so funny when you ask people and you go, what do you do for fun? And they go, 
what do I do for fun? Let me think about that. And they, they can't come up with something. And I've had people annoyed. They go, I, man, now that I think about it, I don't do anything for fun. I go, <laughs> well, today, like, think of something fun to do then. It's like, yeah. And then people go, well, what do you do for fun? I go, ride my motorcycle. So, yeah. That's such a That's great question. I- and it's one that I think I'm going to have to start using. Because I always try to get away from that also because it's always work stuff. And I kind of like not talking work all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like you notice that when we're in Daytona, we're down there. We're just hanging out talking about stuff. Yeah. Anything. So So that's that's such a good opening question. I like it. I'm going to mention a a guy, Mike Neely. He passed away. He had, he uh, kicked cancer's ass and then got sick with COVID and passed away. And I went to his funeral in Alabama and this was 2021 and he wanted to do the hoka hay and uh i just i would see him at events and he was just so like so excited to do hoka hay and he ended up uh passing away before he had a chance to and when i went to his funeral that is when i found out he owned a plumbing business oh wow i think i i knew him for like a year and a half two years in the two years that i knew him I never knew what he did for a living. It's like, oh, why are all these plumbing trucks here? And it's like, oh, oh, that's what that's what he did. I had no idea. And I'm like, I think that's pretty cool that you have friends and you're talking your bike and you're talking about a ride and you have no freaking idea what you guys do for a living. Although you should know like attorneys police officers like people like you have just in case you need their assistance but other than that it was like it's so crazy because i'm like yeah i don't i don't know what people do and i like that that is a unique way of looking at things i like it yeah getting back to the hoka hey you did the, your first one in 2018 correct 18, yes okay so did. i i did a little digging and i saw you were the 45th bike in on that one, and then I also I was saw the what bike in number forty five. I was. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, That's what I counted, unless I counted wrong. Oh, I I don't even know. I was with Kathy, so I actually because I don't even, I don't look at it that way. In eighteen, all I wanted to do was make the party. I was so excited to make the party. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. Is you know, did you make the party? Because no. to finish the thing is massive. It's huge, especially for somebody like you're a new rider. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. And you're in the top 50. But go ahead. So you said you did not make the party? No. So I I said, because people were like, oh, who are you going to ride with? And and I said, no. I said, um, I plan on, if I ride with somebody, I ride with somebody. But yeah, to me, you have to go into the whole hey saying, if I ride by myself, I ride by myself. Like, it's just not, you know, you just have to mentally just know that, hey, there'll be, you possibly be doing this by yourself. Okay. So you have everything on your bike to do it by yourself. Well, um, I started off, Debbie, Kathy and I, we just rode, you know, the same. Then it was Kathy and myself. And, uh, I, I, we did very well when, when I, um, didn't eat enough and I was making the wrong turn and then making a UE, making a UE, making a UE. And Kathy was my voice of reason. 
at one point she walks over to me at a gas station when I think we had made several bad turns and she hands me two hard boiled eggs and she goes, I think you need these. And I go, thank you. And I ate them. I was like, oh, I, cause I, I don't think I had enough calories at the time. Like I wasn't think like when you start making a lot of bad turns, that's when you're either tired or hungry. Like you need to reassess sure. what you're doing. Yeah. 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 And so I didn't realize how, and she, you know, but she was the one going, made a lot of UEs, you know, or I was going the wrong way and she'd have to pull up next to me pointing. And then all of a sudden she points to the sign and I go, shit, I'm going east, not west, you know, just stuff like that. But anyways, why was I telling you that? Oh, so finally, I don't even know what I was thinking. Finally, she goes, Dana, you, you know, we're not going to make the party, right? And I go, we're not... Because I was just going turn by turn. Like, I'm like, okay, we're online, whatever it is, you know? Sure. And she goes, she already tallied it up, how many miles we still had left. And it's like she just said, you know, we're not going to make it. And I, I'm like, oh, okay. And then we took a we took a little nap in the middle of the day. And then we were like laughing because I'm like, okay, we're not going to make it. And so we came in the next day on Sunday, the day after. Where was that one? Where were we? Panama City. Oh, no, no. The first was one was, no, was Medicine it? Park. Was Medicine Park. It was the first time I was introduced to Medicine Park, 18. Cool. Now, I thought, because people asked me, they said, what if you run out of vacation time and you're in the middle of doing this challenge. And I said, well, I guess I have to turn around and go home. Well, once you start, that's like, that wasn't even an option. I think I would have called work and said, sorry, I need to extend my vacation. Like I got to finish this. So before I did it, I thought I would just, Oh, in the middle of doing it, I just have to turn around and go home. (laughs) But I here I, you know, came in on the Sunday and um, I was like, okay. So I had, you know, I had enough vacation time at the time, but yeah. 20, I said, I honestly wanted to do it by myself just to see how I would be doing it by myself. And there's times when you sleep with other people or you leapfrog them, but I can say 20, I was pretty much doing it by myself, just being responsible for myself, not getting somebody else lost, you know? Yeah. I think I had to pay attention a lot more to the directions because I didn't have that other person going, hey, we're going the wrong way, you know? So, and I listened to my body when I was tired, I slept. I don't know how many, what was the maximum hours you slept at one time on Hokahe? When I wrote it? Yep. Anywhere from four to six, maybe? I slept. I didn't set an alarm. I set my stopwatch because I'm like, I want to see what time I, how many hours I sleep before I wake up. So the longest I slept was six hours where I just like, boop, my eyes just open up and I'm like, Oh, and I looked up 
looked at my uh, phone and I'm like, oh, six hours or, you know, oh, five hours. So I, that's how I listened to my body. Sure. I just said, I'm not going to set an alarm. I just wanted to see the time, uh, how, how much time I slept. Yeah. That's, so, that, and did you do that before or during the Hoka Hate? During, like, like when I went to sleep, you know, right before I went to sleep, I hit my stopwatch on my phone. Yeah. Okay. And then right when I, as a matter of fact, on my, my Guinness ride, that's what I did. Cause it's so funny how you just wake up and you're like, Oh, I feel good. But there were times I did wake up and I went, no, I'm going back to bed. And then I fall back to sleep. But the majority of times I just woke up and went, okay, I feel good enough to write. Yeah. So. And that was 20. Yeah. And I did some I digging. Did it looked like you were the 22nd bike in on that one too. I don't, yeah. know, if, I don't um, know if you knew that. Does that sound right? I know that Eric was giving the top 20 people uh, belt buckles. I do have a belt buckle. I think he had two left over. And that's how I got one. So I know I was somewhere near the 20th because yeah. I got a belt buckle. Yep. So that's yeah. according to their website. You know, mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I, I just counted down and I'm like, oh, look at that. There you are. So <laughs> kudos. Now in 22, you didn't get to ride it. I don't know. Were you denied or did you choose not to? But that was kind of because of the next story we're going to talk about. So um, I thought. I was going to ride it and I was going to nest my Hoka Hay miles into my Guinness attempt. And then when I told Beth what I wanted to do and told John Levins, I found out they had a meeting and uh, John video messages me and I answer it and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey, so, I didn't know that they told him, hey, you got to call Dana and you have to tell her she cannot do the Hokahay and do another event while she's doing the Hokahay. It's part of the contract she signed, which I don't know if you're aware of that. I am. Yeah, I saw it in the rules yeah. and it didn't make sense to me at the time because not a lot yeah, of Yeah, so in the guy, rules, but... it's, yeah, it says I will not be doing another event while I'm doing Hokahay. So I went, oh, like it didn't dawn on me, like, oh yeah, yeah, I think I did sign that, you know? And um, John, he'll tell the story like, oh, I could tell you were mad. I could tell, because we're looking at each other. He goes, yeah, I could tell you were mad. And I said, no, I, I wasn't mad. I was literally trying to absorb that information. Like you're telling me I cannot do the Hoka Hay because I'm, I'm doing this attempt, this Guinness ride, you know? And um, I just had to uh, listen. Everybody I told, they were mad. Or they were mad. They're like, "Oh no, no!" Like I'll talk to someone. And I go, "Hold on, hold on," because I told you I'm superstitious. Sure. But I think things happen for a reason. So I was like, I'm thinking to myself, trust the process. There's got to be a reason why there was a hiccup in this. Sure. And now I can look back on it, and I am so glad. They told me I could not do both at the same time. Why is that? Because my ride, my Guinness ride was better weather. I had my miles. I got, I, I averaged 660 a day. If I would have been doing the Hoka Hay, 
with a freaking mudslide. Because Kathy had, you know, it's like she could see where mud's all over the road and, you know, terrible weather and maybe get like 500 miles that day and you're worn completely out and not sleeping in a hotel to like take a shower at night. I think I would have aborted. I would have gone, listen, I got to pick, but I didn't have to pick. The rules already picked it for me. Sure. In hindsight, I can look back and go, you know what? That's good that I didn't do that. I didn't attempt that. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to nest 10,000 miles. I'll do the hoka hay and I'll save my receipts. And I'll like, what am I thinking? You know, I'm going to follow these directions, sleep by my bike and try to tally my stuff for Guinness. Like, that's crazy. You know, I mean, it's doable, but so much more stress. It was enough um, to do what I was doing. So I'm glad somebody, there's that voice of reason going, no, Dana, you got to pick. And so John said, well, maybe you can start that Guinness ride like after Hokahe, right when Hokahe ends. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, like I have to do it when it's good weather. You know, I can't start this thing off in August. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so that's how I ended up not doing 22. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was, I knew, I knew about the rule and I remember hearing about it and hearing that you weren't going to be able to ride. And I was like, what difference does that make? But when you look at it your way, it made yeah. all of the difference. Yeah. It would have been, you know, more variable. And another thing with the Guinness ride is it has to be on the same bike. So a mudslide or something, all of a sudden you wreck or, you know. Sure. That could have happened anyways, but in the middle of trying to do Hoka Hay, and then all of a sudden I screw up my bike, I would have been like, damn it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the Guinness ride. So I actually searched before we got on here, you know, the world record longest journey by motorcycle in a single country for an individual. Mm -hmm. That's what you are the current world record holder of. Yeah. So first off, to do this, how did you hear about this? Because I know... You had heard about it in the past, but how did you hear about it? And what are the rules to take part in this? So in 16, I heard about it because, you know, I'm looking up all these things on motorcycles and, and I'm following people and it, like in 15 too, you know, just following people and not owning a bike. I remember I wanted to be a hog member when I was just renting a motorcycle and Dave, the guy who I rented the bikes from, he goes, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. You can't be a hog member unless you own a uh, a Harley. And I went, oh, okay. I'm thinking I'm renting them. Can I be a member? So I'm looking. You know, I'm getting all this information. And Danelle Lynn, I think it was 16. She got this record for this. You know, the Guinness uh, record that I hold now. She had in 16. And I remember. She had like 40 some odd thousand miles. And in 16, I couldn't even fathom riding 40 some odd thousand miles. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But I just thought that was, that was so cool. Like, oh my gosh. And it goes back to like when I was in my 20s, when I said, ride from Maine to California, that would be so cool, you know? But here, Danelle had it and she had 40 some odd thousand miles. And I'm like, wow. 
So, but after I did Hoka Hay in 18 and I had 46,000 miles on my bike, I went, oh my gosh, I could do that. That's how it all, like something that I thought I couldn't do. I'm like, I have 46,000 miles on my bike. I could do that. I could do that record. And that's when I started thinking about it was like, I heard about it in 16 and 18. I went, hmm. How how can I make that possible? Sure. And then in 19, I applied. So you have to apply with Guinness. You have to and apply, I apply to try to set a record? Yes. You have to get a reference number. You tell them what you want to do. You tell them when you want to do it. You want to tell them, you know, how much. But let me back up. In 18, when I thought, I could do that ride, I look at the record and it's now up to 71,000 something. And that was the gentleman in India who had the record before I broke it. So here, when I thought, oh, I could do 40 some odd thousand miles, when I went back to look at the record, it's now up to 71,000 something. Wow. But guess what? I thought to myself, I could do that. It's funny because I didn't see myself doing 40 something thousand. But at 71, I go, I could do that. I think I could do that. So that, and that was 18. In 19, I applied, got my reference number. I was all set to do it in 2020. And well, we know what happened Yeah. between, but COVID isn't the reason why I wasn't able to do it. I actually was in the hospital like three times in March, March and part of April, not COVID related. So 20 just wasn't, it was like, no, this isn't happening. So in 21, I reapplied and got another reference number. And I went, okay, how am I going to make this happen? So that's when I started thinking, how am I going to do this? So when you apply and you get the reference number, is it only good for a certain amount of time? Well, I put down in 19, I said, I'm going to. I'm going to do this starting April 1st, uh, you know, I'm in 20. And then I said, I'm thinking, well, how much time can I get off from work? So I had to get a ballpark of, you know, okay, let me see if I can get like four months off. So that's how I picked the end time. So that's how I, that's how I picked the time frame. Plus I was thinking weather, you know? So Kenneth Andrews knew a long time ago, I said, you know, I'd really, I planted the seed with him about this ride. We talked about it in the 16 when Danelle had it. And then I'm like, you know, oh, I really, I really want to do that. I said that in 18. And then in 19, I'm like, yeah, I really, you know, oh, I applied. And then I'm like, oh, God, I can't do that in 20. So he knew the whole time, like, yeah. And he's like, well, when do you think you, you want to do it? And I go, I don't know. Like, and I was thinking April. And he said, do you know what the weather's like in April for the rest of the country? Because for me, it's <laughs> right. So I'm not, he goes, just so you know, you're not going to be able to go above I 40 in April. You may, but at night, you're going to have to get down below I 40. And because that, because I live down here, I just, it didn't even dawn on me sure. that people have crappy weather. And, you know, I'm thinking, April showers, bring May flowers. I'm not thinking, 
you know, there's snow, like really bad snow in places, you know? So it's just funny. Like so many years living down here, you don't think about, oh yeah, it's going to be kind of cold in Maine. So my route was so weather-based that there's a lot that I had to do just in the south. And then I could creep my way up north, you know, and go, yeah, it's just funny how, like, it didn't, that part didn't even dawn on me. All I'm like, I'm like, I want to go see this and this and this. But it's like, oh, yeah, I can't go see that yet, you know, because it's going to be. And it's not that I can't ride in the cold. But if you're going to be riding for that long, try to make it comfortable. Like, don't have so many variables against you, you know? Right, right. So, so only what, a cut. Sorry. No, you you mentioned a route, but what do you have to have a route? What are the rules? Like, you want to apply so, for this and you want to get it done. What are the rules you have to follow to get the world record? So, they don't want you literally going down I-10 back and forth because you have to submit your, your track. And I used my Garmin and I used my spot and I sent them my Google. Like I had three different GPSs to show them my track. And you can't just be going I-95 and I-10 for 80,000 miles. You're going to get denied. Sure. You you know, so I decided I was going to do some touristy things, but I, I love doing tour of honor. Do you know about Tour of Honor? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to plan my route is Tour of Honor. So once Tour of Honor came out April 1st, between the taco run, I knew I was going to be at the taco run in April, but uh, what kicked it off was the Tour of Honor and I took off April 3rd. So my first, oh, this is crazy. My first day on the road, April 3rd. I made a hotel reservation, but it was still daylight. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want to stop just yet. Well, let me go up to, I think I was up in um, Louisiana. Not not Louisiana. I think Alabama. Let me get this Tour of Honor site. And it just so happened, there happened to be another rider there at this Tour of Honor site. And I go, hey, you know, like normally you don't run into people. And then I'm talking to him and and I said, oh, can you can you sign this paper for me? And it's a witness statement that he saw me. I'm on my bike, the time, his name, he prints it and signs it and shows my reference number and what I'm trying to do. Well, I just went to the last ride in Stockton, December 30th. This guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey, do you remember me? And I go, uh, and he goes, we met at that tour of honor site last year. And I go, Oh my gosh. Can you believe I, this guy remembered me and I go, I'm so sorry. Cause he had, he had his helmet on and it was getting dark, but that's so funny that cool. I ran into this guy just last Saturday that's awesome. and that was my very first day. That That's pretty cool. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, it's like full circle. So tour of honor, the 50 rides, one nation, the Harley rides where you get the coin. Do you know those? I'm familiar with that. Yep. Yeah. So that helped me with my, I'm like, I'm going to go collect those coins. So I did that. I did the Madonnas, the 12 Madonnas in the country. So I had different places to go, but I, I just said, 
the number one thing was Tour of Honor really just gave me places to go and get my miles, see interesting things, and make the ride fun. That's how I did routing. Yeah, that's cool. So you don't have to yeah. say, okay, here's where I'm going to go. Here's what I'm going to do. You just have no. to. No. Okay. No. Cool. You just have to keep record, you know, your GPSs, all the receipts, your witness statements. And the witness statements, every time I got my bike service, I asked them, please fill this out to show that, yes, I'm getting my bike serviced, the miles, you know, I sent all that stuff in. Okay. How often did you have to get a witness? Not every day. I didn't every day. I'd have to count how many. I was on the road for 125 days. I had a lot of witness statements. Okay. So the guy who did it before me, he was riding around India for a year and a half. I can't even imagine the paper trail he had to submit because I felt like I was like uh, the paperwork was grueling for me because I hate paperwork. Lori Rocco helped me with like changing things from GPX to whatever files, you know, having to do all that stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. She goes, no, no, I got it. Let me help. Let me help you do all that just transferring and sending all the um, records. So this guy, he must have had luggage full of paperwork. I had 500 gas receipts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you have to do the whole take the picture of the receipt with the odometer thing? I did. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't want if anything was questioned, you know. Yeah. I wanted to go, oh, that's picture number 298. You got it right here. So, yeah, I I just didn't want that to be the one thing. It's like, no, nope, you're missing, you know, you can't account for 300 miles here, sure. you know, or whatever. I'd rather oh, have more than not enough. Absolutely. Yeah. So the question I have, you know, I had where'd you start, where'd you finish, but where didn't you go? In 83,000 miles, what did you miss? Well, I look at my vapor trail in in California, I mean, there was a lot I missed in California, but I, I hit all the lower 48 because I did every Tour of Honor site in the lower 48. So I looked that up and that was 307 Tour of Honor sites, not including the Madonnas. And I may have gotten like a National Cemetery or a Huey, but I wasn't focused on those. Sure. I was doing the state sites and I wanted to do the Madonnas. So correct me if I'm wrong, the Tour of Honor is the Vietnam Memorial Sites, right? The Tour of Honor, it's all, it's military sites. It can be 9-11, it can be Korean War, you know, they're not all military. I visited Holocaust memorials, so it's all different ones. Okay, but they change every year, right? Yes. You hit every one. How many people did that in 22? So... DJ Sadler, he did the 50, 50 states. He hit everything. He went to Hawaii and he went to Alaska. Now, I'm going to tell you, there were, my friends are going, Dana, fly to Alaska. I mean, fly to Alaska or ride to Alaska, go to Hawaii. Do, like, you have time, you can do all of it. It wasn't my goal to win Tour of Honor. I was using it as a tool to ride around the the country, which was great. Like it takes you in places you're like, you know, 
it, why else would you visit like some of these places? It's amazing these small towns that have these big, you know, that honor our service members, you know, and that's interesting in itself. So it's yeah, like sure. oh, this little bitty town. Oh, look at this memorial. Oh my gosh, it's so nice. Now I know DJ. I I don't even know DJ Sadler. I just know his name and but. The year before, in 21, he he had second place. So when he went out and is, you know, getting another site, getting another, his goal was to win right. Tour of Honor. Yep. So I got to tell you, to me, me getting the, you know, number one flag, it wouldn't have meant as much to me as I know what it meant to him because he was second in 21. 22, he he already went to Hawaii and he went to Alaska. I think he had done those first, like Hawaii he went to first, I think. I'm really not for sure because I was doing my ride and I, I'm just, you know, I just know that he was out there as well. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's a shitty move on my part. If I would have like fly to Alaska and fly to Hawaii and get those and it's like, I was just using it as a tool. That's the reason why I did the lower 48. Sure. You know? well, the question so, I'm asking is, so you got all of them, but how many people actually do that? Is there like 10? Is there 50? Well, back in the day, like when Tour of Honor first started, nobody ever really thought to go out and, and do the lower 48, like all of them, you know? You probably could have won a, a year with 200 sites, but it just so happened in 22... I mean, he had he had 321 sites that he saw, and I had 307. Right. So if you wanted to be flag number one or two, you were going to have to, like, I already knew I was going to get, my goal was the lower 48. So, and DJ already, already had it in his head. He was going to do all of them. So if you really wanted first place, that probably wouldn't have been the year for you to do it. Because you already had somebody that was like, I'm getting out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, we'll see. I I don't even know how many. Ben Ernst won it this year, but I don't, I don't know his total score, you know, 200 or 300, whatever it was, but. A lot of riding and some very small towns and little back roads and seeing lots of parts of the country that most people never get to see. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool about the tour of honor is that it, it, that's why it's called a ride to remember and you'll get to towns. You're like, Oh, and what's so cool is when the town, I was leaving one site and Kenneth calls me and he goes, go to the bar across the street. They have something for you. I go, really? I, Cause I didn't read that part. And uh, I went across the street and they had a mug that had Tour of Honor etched on it. And uh, I missed that in the reading. So if you, you know, reading comprehension is key. If you if you went to that site, you could go across the street at the bar. They had these um, mugs for the Tour of Honor people. So I sat there with three people that were in the bar. They're like, what are you doing? So I told them. I had pictures with them. And. The one girl goes, well, be careful, you know, like find a place before it gets dark. The deer are coming out, you know, so it was, just, it, it was cool meeting all the different people sure. as well. So you when, know? You were, when you were on the road, Ken was uh-huh. watching you. Was someone running navigation or how much did you have to rely on, quote, locals for advice and directions? So Kenneth, it's so funny because I had a little 
I asked Michael Brennan and Lori Rocco, I said, hey, let's meet for lunch. And I asked them, can you watch my tracker, make sure it's working? And they had all my information, you know, to get into my uh, site, you know, the GPS, the spot and the Garmin. And can you, you know, help me watch out for weather? And they're like, yes. And Michael Brennan was great. He would let me know, like, when I left a hotel, my Garmin wasn't tracking. And he'd let me know that. Him and Gary Turner would uh, let me know, hey, your your Garmin's not tracking. Because I had my Garmin on me. And for some reason, the Garmin inside a pocket, every once in a while, wouldn't connect to the satellite. So I'd actually have to put it in my cup holder and let it ping, and then I could put it in my pocket. Or Michael would say, hey, your battery's low on your your spot, because I didn't see the red flashing light. And so he really, they were eye in the sky for me. So Kenneth took on being my weatherman, called me in the morning and said, hey, storm just came in. You got to get out of there. And this (laughs) big storm came rolling in, and I'm like, getting all my stuff, throwing it on my bike. And he goes, "You, I think he's like, you got to head south. Then you can go east, whatever it was. It was like, get out of there. So every night we would, um, I'd go, hey, what do you think of this? And he goes, what, what about this? I go, oh, I like your plan better. So that's how he um, helped route me because I'm not much on routing. I'm like Chris Hopper. So when I thought, oh, let me go this way, this way, there were times, Kenneth called me and said, why are you on that road? I go, I don't know. Google said, take this road. He goes, you're like parallel with a better road, you know? So (laughs) he's like, get off that road. You know, like I'm stuck in traffic or whatever. He's like, get off that road and make a left, do this. And he'd get me on a better road. And it's like, well, Google didn't have me going that way. You know, I remember I get on this dirt road and I dropped my bike. And he goes, why are you on that road? And I go, because Google said, go this way. I was one of those people because Google said. Sure. And he goes, he says, Tour of Honor doesn't have you going on a road like that. I had to walk over to this farm and ask these guys, can you help me pick my bike up? And uh, and sure enough, if I would have gone around, it was all paved. Mm. So, yeah, there were times I had to like pan out and go, oh, no, no, I'm not taking that road. I'm going to take this road. Yeah. But in the 125 days, I, I only dropped my bike three times. And luckily, people were around. So I'm like, can you, can you help me pick my bike up? You know, so. That's pretty good. And it was always in the parking lot. That's better than falling over at high speed. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. For sure. I know you always get a couple of the same questions when people talk to you about setting the world record ride and things that you saw and did or whatever. And I have a few, and I would like you just to respond with the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Mm-hmm. First thing, worst weather. Did you say worst weather? Yes. Yeah. Worst weather of the, the whole trip. I think I was in South Carolina area or Tennessee, and I had to get across. I had to go like west. It ended up, I just got stuck in, in rain. It's like, well... That, and then there was another time I said, I'm aborting my mission. I called Kenneth. I go, oh, I'm not going, I'm not going the way I had, was routed. Uh, there's lightning. I stopped at this gas station. I can't remember where I was. And this guy goes, where are you headed? <laughs> I think I was in the South. 
And I go, well, I was going to go that way. He goes, don't go that way. There was a tornado. And I go, oh, no, I'm not going that way now. Sure. I said, I'm turning around because I could just see the lightning and all this craziness. So there were times that I got stuck in rain and then times I just had to pull over. Sure. Stop. I stopped at a love. Michael Brandon calls. Is everything okay? And I go, yeah, I'm just waiting for this storm to pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's bound um, to happen. What'd you say? 123 days or something? Yeah. 125 yeah. days. And happen. I went to a motorcycle safety class and Shell had posted the tornado that came through. We were in Kansas. I saw the videos. And it, yeah. And that tornado and I'm in a hotel and the um, alarm goes off and I'm like, what's going on? And everybody's down um, in the lobby area and there's a restaurant, but all the locals, they're not. I said, so what do we do? And they go, nothing. It's headed that way. And I go, okay. They were relaxed. And I'm like, <laughs> but I have pictures of the, you know, I see the tornado, but they're like, no, no, it's headed that way. Well, the next morning it didn't dawn on me going to the safety class that I had to take detours because of all the crap that was still in the road. I'm like, oh yeah, a tornado came through here. Crazy. You know? Yeah. So, so but um, yeah, just, just rain. Oh, and then I was in Idaho and there were snow flurries and I'm like, it was like June. I go, (laughs) there's like snow flurries in June. What is going on? It didn't even dawn on me that I could get caught in snow. Like I was going to go to Crater Lake, but it had been snowing there. And I go, no, 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 I'm not going to uh, battle snow. I just, I'm like, no, I'm not used to snow. I don't want to be in snow. Right. Yeah. So the next thing, first thing that pops Mm -hmm. into your head, what was your favorite site? I don't have one. I don't have a favorite site. Nothing pops into your head when you think of a certain view nope. or a specific when, anything? When you just said that, if you know anything about the Madonnas, that there's 12 in the United States, it's a trail. They're, they're beautiful. If you can look it up, they're, it's actually part of Tour of Honor. And my goal, I'm like, I'm going to go see all 12. I must say, when I pulled up to the Madonna statue... I, if I could at the moment, I'd throw my hands up in the air and I would yell, there she is. And I was so excited to see these Madonnas. That's cool. And I pulled up to one and I yell, there she is. And there's this couple and they just look at me and I go, I I start telling them about the Madonna. And I said, they're they're from the uh, daughters of the uh, American Revolution. And the lady goes, I should know this, that my daughter's in that, in that, you know, she's a daughter of the American Revolution. And I said, yeah, look it up. Like they're, and they're, what's so crazy is they're in the middle of a town and people probably drive by them all the time. And they have no idea that those are from like the 1920s, sure, like 28, 29, something like that. And it's like, when I would see it, I, I literally, I was so excited to see them. I have to give a heaven shout out. Roger Bias, he passed away from COVID. He was an avid long distance rider. And I just adored him. I call him and ask him questions. And he just, he was a pilot. He was a helicopter pilot and, and a motorcycle rider. And But there was, before I even thought about doing the Madonnas, 
he did it two years in a row. He would um, have to go for some motor, uh, for some helicopter FAA class or something like that. And he goes, well, since I'm going out there, I may as well go see the Madonnas. And he was so proud of himself for two years in a row. I think two years in a row, he went and saw all 12 Madonnas. And like when I would see them, I, I would think of Roger, like, cause I knew that he had, he, you know, he has seen all 12 of them. Yeah. Yeah. So those were touching to me. That's cool. But the, it was when people go, what was your favorite? I go, the ride. Right. Right. Like, That's why I'm trying to get you the first thing you think of. So yeah, the ride, like leaving my house April 3rd and don't think I wasn't nervous. Cause I'm like, Please don't happen. Don't let anything happen to my bike. Please don't let anything happen to me. Please don't let anything happen to my family. You know, I, I like I'm thinking all this stuff, like all my little prayers when I when I left, and to think I'm not coming back for four months. You know, because how often do you get a do over for that? So the ride, like being on your bike for four months, like if you like to ride. You know, if you told somebody else that, they'd go, you know, you tell a golfer that, they'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. You tell us, you know, we start talking about that. It's like, heck yeah, you know, sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last one I have, first thing that pops in your head when I say the best day. The best day. (laughs) Something had to pop up in there. (laughs) No, I don't. Do you need a they, couple of uh, hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> right. Um, no, I don't have a. I don't have a best day. Like I don't mean to sound, you know, like you have to pull information out of me. But when I look back on my pictures, I'm like, oh, that that was cool. Oh, that was cool. Oh, that was cool. But I don't feel. Uh, oh, I just thought of something. Let us have it. So right before. I think it was right before the the finish of Hokahei. And I'm riding around, enjoying myself, of course. And I felt a little easier because I was closer to, I may, I may have already like passed his miles up. And I'm like, okay, I could rest a little easier or ride a little easier. But I come out of a gas station and uh, I see a, I see a motorcycle, but this is the first time I ever saw like the training wheels on a motorcycle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The ones that I think they come down when you stop. Well, no, these actually, I think you hook these on. So it looks like a trike. Yeah. Yeah. But but the real actually, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's four wheels. And I look at this thing and I have a picture of it and I, and I go, who is riding this? I mean, it is packed. It's, this is crazy. And this older lady comes out and I said, do you have everything but the kitchen sink? She was pretty much. And I get to talking to her and her name is Irene. And I go, what are you out doing? And she says, I've always wanted to ride the 48 state, the lower 48. She says, I've been talking about it for so long. My son said, mom, Go out and ride because that's all you talk about is you want to ride. That's awesome. And I said, how many states have you done? I think she was, it was eight or nine states. So she was and just I said, well, started. I'm out. Yeah. And I said, I'm out riding the lower 48. She goes, how many have you been to? And I go, 
48. And, um, but what's so interesting is she had a budget. I don't know if she was on disability, but she's on a fixed income. She had $25 a day. Now let that sink in. The first thing I thought of is that's maybe a tank of gas. Yep. Not a lot of food, unless she's really taking her time seeing each state. That's got to be tough. She calculated out. She goes, I'm on a budget. I'm on a fixed income. I have $25 a day. And I thought, you can't get very far with $25. But you know what is so cool is that didn't stop Irene. Irene's out there. Irene didn't go, oh, son, I can't. I, I can't afford it. Yeah, right. No, this lady packed her bike. It was crazy. Like you see, like when people joke, oh, just pack the minimum. And they show that bike with everything hanging off of it. That was Irene's bike. And she was sleeping in um, truck stops. She wasn't doing any hotels. She, wherever she could sleep, she was, she was doing the hoka hay. She didn't even know she was doing the hoka hay. And I, I said, let's go back inside. I got her, uh, and that gas station didn't have any like food, food. And I said, pick some food. And she picks this little bag of beef jerky. And I go, is that what you want? And she goes, oh, yes. And so I got the big bags for her. It was the teriyaki flavored yep. beef jerky. And uh, I said, let's get just some water. And she got water, but she had everything. She probably had like a little propane you know, like cooking her meals. Yeah. And, uh, but she did like, she, that's what I just loved is that Irene said, okay, I'm winging it. I've got $25 a day. Let's, let's do this. That's awesome. And she's out there. And then I said something about, she said she was cold or something. And I said, oh, I have heated gear. She goes, cheater. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, I'm not a cheater. I just happen to have heated gear. Like, but she's a cheater. I actually have to send the picture of her to you. She's got, she's got tattoos on her face. Like she, she probably did some crazy stuff in her youth. And now she's whatever age she was and she's doing something crazy and fun. And, but she said, the only regret I have is I really wish I would have done this years ago. That's cool. It, that was, that just refuels you. You're like, oh my gosh, Irene's out here. You know, like that, that is just so cool that she just, and there's so many people that go, ah, I would do that, but I'm not, you know, and they come up with what, for whatever reason, like if they were going to go back to school, oh, but it's going to take so long. And no, Irene's out there. She's probably still out there. At 25 bucks a day, she is. Yeah. I, that is so freaking cool. Isn't that cool? I love that. Yeah. So that year, I think, didn't that put you into another very elite group of motorcyclists? Didn't you hit the 100,000 miles that year? Yeah. So in the Iron Butt Association, and it's so funny because when we're talking about this, I just think everybody just knows this stuff. But in the Iron Butt Association, which was started in 1984, Michael Kneebone, and there were only 18 people that had done 100,000 miles certified 100,000 miles in a year. And one person did it twice, which was K-Solo, like two years in a row. Wow. Back to back, 100,000 miles. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. So he's on there twice. And actually, let me back up. Chris Hopper is not in that group as he should be 
they made a, they have his own group. It's like an extreme ride or, or you know, the 100,000 miles in 100 days. Sure. But if Chris Hopper, Chris Hopper should be in that group. So he would have been the 19th person. That's, it's certified. Like somebody can say they did 100,000 miles in a year. I'm talking, which, yay, if you did, I'm talking 100,000 miles documented, sentence submitted, you know, showed your paperwork. Right. So since I did 82,598 miles, I said, oh, what's, what's 18,000 more miles? Right. Well, a lot. That's all I got to tell you. <laughs> that, that last 18,000, there was, it's like, oh, oh, let me, let me go ride, you know, after work, I'm riding and, you know, so I must say like, yeah. So when people do a hundred thousand miles in a year, I'm like, I'm hats off, you know, because that is work. That's you, you got those are intentional miles, you know, you're that you're keeping track of. So yeah, when K Solo sure. did it two years in a row, it's like that's a lot of riding. That's you a know? ton of riding. Yeah. So when I was on my ride, I talked to my daughter a lot and I talked to my stepmom a lot. And my daughter was turning over 80,000 miles on in her car when I was hitting like my 80,000 miles on my motorcycle. And her car is the 2015. And we just were laughing like, oh my gosh, you're turning over 80,000 miles. No, you're turning over 80,000 miles. And we're just like school girls, like laughing at like what 80,000 miles is, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So 22 was so, a massive year for you. Yeah. 2023, back to reality, playing catch up. What have you been doing since? Oh, more home things. So my stepmom passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. I remember that. Yes, April. And um, she was diagnosed with cancer January of a year ago. And we were very, like, we could, I could always talk with my stepmom. But I did tell her, I said, I want to thank you for getting cancer this year and not last year. And she's like, what? And I go, it would have ruined my ride. And she goes, you're welcome. <laughs> and it's like so crazy, you know, timing, things happening. And um, yeah, because we talked every day, my stepmom and I, when I was on the road. Mm-hmm. But when her and my dad used to travel around. They lived in an RV and traveled in the RV and then they traveled in a conversion van. And back in the day when they would be on a trip, you know, when you had a cell phone, you had to pay for minutes. I would call at the end of the day and I'd go, where are you? And she would tell me where they were. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. You know, and I, I'd have a map out looking at where they are. One time she was so, it was, she was just funny. But one time I called, I mean, I, every day I called to see where they were and I just tracking them on, on a paper map. And I called her one time. I go, where are you? She goes, the bathroom. And I go globally, Sandy. And she goes, Oh, Mississippi. And I go, okay. I mean, that's how she was very, she was just cute, you know, <laughs> but that was just so funny. That's but, awesome. um, so because I was riding around, Every day she'd go, where are you? And I would tell her, you know, so it was like reversal, but she loved to travel. So she was so happy that I was out riding around. That's cool. And so, she got yeah. to see you set the world record. Yes. 
Yeah. And it was funny because I was talking with my uncle when I was on the road, but I never mentioned to him what I was doing. And it wasn't until I was done and I posted, you know, and I found out that I got the record and, and he called me up and he, and this is my dad's brother. And he goes, Dana, I, I knew I was talking to you when you were writing, but you didn't tell me what you were doing. And I said, yeah, you know, cause I just didn't want to, like, that wasn't the focus whenever I would talk to him on the phone. It was funny cause he goes, you know, who would have been really proud of you doing this? I go, yes, dad, you know? So, but it was just funny that that whole four months, I never, whenever I would talk to my uncle, I never told him what I was doing. He just thought, oh, Dana's calling me. She's just riding just, again. Yeah. And he would always say, are you riding? I go, yes. He goes, man, I can't even tell when you're riding. It's like so quiet. You know, that's all he would say. Yeah. But yep, that's so funny that I never told him. And I just, just waited till I was done. So I, cause I didn't want to, again, I didn't want to jinx myself. Right. You know, yep. so. So what are your that plans for the future? 2024, you run in the Hokahe? Yes. That's and I good. say yes. However, the thought of riding from Daytona to Key West in August on back roads, well, as far as back roads you can get, does not sound like fun to me because I live down here. Right. So, I mean, I'm signed up and paid, ready to go. Uh, but that part, mm, that doesn't sound like fun. And uh, I have to be having fun if I'm on my bike. So Sure. And it's so going to be as what, right two now, days before you're out of Florida. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That doesn't sound like fun to me. You know, living down here and having limited time off, I'm like, oh, I don't want the first two days being in Florida. Well, you'll have an so, advantage potentially on knowing where gas is and how far you can push your gauge, right? No, you're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> gas is on every corner in Florida. In in South Florida, uh, there's gas. That, this isn't Texas and, you know, out west. There's like gas on every corner. You don't have to worry about it. But uh, yeah, that part, I'm like, uh. so somebody just the other day goes, Dana, you're going to ride. And I go, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Do you have any goals yeah. for the ride? Goals for the ride? Yeah. For the Hokahe, do you have any goals? set? Well, first off, I guess, deciding for sure you're going to do it. Right. I'm excited about Canada and I'm excited about Alaska because it's, you know, I haven't, I saw the Canadian border several times. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be cool, like going across and I've never ridden, I've been to Alaska on a cruise, but just watching videos of Alaska and people on their motorcycles there. It's like, ooh, I can't wait to see that. That would be cool. And pe yeah, people that I know that have been up there. And then Canada, it just looks beautiful. And I'm like, that's the part. You know, when they say, okay, kick stands up, got, go. They may go, where is she going? She is not headed to Key West. So who knows? We'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll see. So I don't know. All of that. At one point in the beginning, you were talking about when you first started writing. So what advice would you give for beginners or for even somebody thinking of writing that wants to get into it? What advice would you give somebody to get started? If I were telling myself advice, like I already feel it inside of me. You know what I mean? So there's times like to me, 
I feel like you have, like, if you want to ride, you're going to ride. And one thing I don't ever do is convince somebody to ride. Right. Because so let's, you're, you're telling but me. But if somebody wants to ride, if yeah. somebody wants to ride, yep. I, I would, you know, you got to get out there. You have, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You know, if it's forced, like with me, you know, uh, riding at night, riding on the highway, you know, being forced to do things or just slowly creep out of your comfort zone. And you're going to feel so much better. You're going to be like, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. But you have to, you have to make an effort to do that. You can't, but unless you want, if you want to be a day rider and bar hop or whatever, if that's the way you want to ride, you ride. But if you want to do long distance, you, you, have to, you will be put in situations where you go, well, I didn't think I was going to end up being by myself on this back road, you know, you, uh, and getting lost is, is getting lost. I mean, nowadays, um, I mean, you can ask people or there's, you know, I mean, so what you get lost a little, you know, it's right. It's like, Oh, I missed my exit. Okay. Or I'm really not quite sure where I am. Okay, it's not so bad. When people say "gonna make a great story," that is true. That you know, is definitely it's, true. Yeah, and it's like those those are the ones you remember. And it um, it's I have said this to people when what I've noticed with writing. Okay, let me back up. After I did Hoka Hay in eighteen, my boss took me aside and she goes, "What is wrong? What is going on with you?" I go, what? And she goes, you've changed. And I, <laughs> and I'm like, that's like, oh my gosh, she noticed it right away. And she may have been saying it as a negative, but I totally took it as a, that's freaking awesome. Like I've changed. And people told me that it's going to change you. And it did. So sometimes I tell, I'll tell my kids or I'll tell people, be like the weather. The weather doesn't give a shit. Like the weather's the weather. So sometimes when you're getting all crazed about stuff, it's like, hey, you like the weather. It You just have to roll with it. You know what I mean? The weather's going to come in whether you like it or not. And so sometimes when people, if you're going to be riding and how I was, I'm not going to ride on the, on the highway. I'm not going to ride at night. Like I was so like, ooh, you know? too rigid and then all of a sudden you're stuck in situations and you just have to go with it you go okay it's nighttime you're gonna ride or you're gonna like get a place to sleep and if you have to work the next day i guess you're riding so sometimes you just have to you just have to roll with it and i feel like riding has made me not be so like crazy that makes sense that makes perfect sense to me i mean i'm still crazy but not like crazy, crazy. Like, you know, sometimes just shit happens and you just have to go with it. Like, what are you going to do? And there's time, so many times on the bike, it's like, oh, what are you going to do? And what I noticed out West, when I would try to avoid rain, don't avoid it because it will pass. Like you can see so far ahead of you. I'm on a road and I go, oh crap, look at that weather. But I just kept going and it already passed by. Yeah, I've I've experienced that out west. It's crazy. Yeah, 
if I would have tried to, and I think of it like life, if you try to avoid it, you're going to hit it. If you just stay your path, it's going to pass by you. And uh, next thing you know, it's on the left. And all of a sudden, you, the closer you get to it, it's already passed. It's on the right. It's like, oh, I was fretting over that. And, and uh, it's already gone. I noticed that a lot out west. So there were times I try to put life lessons when I was riding, like, you know, the wind, be like the wind. I kept telling myself, just be, just go with it. You know, it's taking you this way. Just go with it. Although 50 mile an hour sustained winds, like in Kansas, I was like, who lives here? These people are crazy, you know? So I did say at one point I was in, I think it was Kansas. And I said, do these farmers go to their neighbor's house and say, I would like my topsoil back? <laughs> right. Anyways. That's funny. I think I've covered everything that I had, like all of the uh -huh. questions. Is there anything that you can think of that we didn't talk about that you'd like to? You know what some people ask me? What's that? What if somebody breaks your record? Yeah, but it's your record. They have to set their own. Right. Like if somebody yeah, uh, so does more miles and yeah. What is your reply Well, first to that? of all, huh? Yeah. So what is your reply to that? Well, because I thought about it and I know the work that goes behind it. So it, and I think Chris is like this with his, his record, his, cause he, he knows what he did. You know, he did a hundred thousand miles in a hundred days. Yeah. It's like, if you want to do 110,000 miles in 110 days, he knows what effort it takes to do that. So there's respect to that person. Like if somebody breaks my record, I know what it took to do the record. So it's like, no, I, it's like, no, no. Like, I'm sure the guy in India is not upset that his record was broken. He's probably like, oh man, I had that record for five years, but he knows what it took to do the record. So I feel like when people go, oh, if somebody breaks your record, are you going to run out and, and break their record? But do you, do you think I have nothing else to do? I mean, like, I, I just don't feel the need. Like, I have to have a burning desire to do something. Sure. Like, if I have it in my head, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't feel that. If somebody comes and they go, hey, somebody broke your record. It's like, okay. Like, how many miles? But I don't feel, you know, when people, oh, you're going you're gonna to go out and re-break it? Uh, no, I don't feel that way right now. I don't know. Like. When people would ask that, it's like, I don't know. It never even dawned on me. I do know what it takes to do it. And there's no time frame. As long as you don't go back to your home, you can be out on the road for a year and a half and just ride. Sure. So one of the things with this is if you're, I think it's two weeks or something like that. If you haven't been riding for two weeks, you know, you have to explain all that. But yeah, if somebody breaks it, somebody breaks it. I mean... What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Like I said, it's your record. Right. If they break it, you still have your record. You're right. in the book, right? That's cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that and the 100,000. Thank you. And hitting all of the lower 48 Tour of Honor sites. That's all good stuff. You know, Thanks. you've listened to the show before, so you know yep. they all end on the five questions. So I get to ask you five questions. You get to answer them. And it's funny. I spun this wheel. And you got the new question, which actually came up as a result of our conversation that we had in mm -hmm. uh, November, December, whenever we talked. Um, uh -huh. So it's kind of funny. But five questions, they, you know, I have 21 of them. They go on the wheel. I spin the wheel and whatever they <laughs> land on, that's what you get, right? So question number one, 
Where did you first meet me? Uh, Chris Hopper's uh, party after his 100,000 miles in 100 days. Yep. And that's it's funny because when we talked about it that night, I thought, you know, that would be a good question because our stories may be different. One of us might forget something. So I always thought that'd be a cool story to find out. Somebody uh-huh. says something and I'd be like, oh, yeah. Or I'd be like, no, wait, I remember my hair. So, no, that's cool. So. I would agree. You that would be the correct answer. The first time we met, uh-huh. person. Uh, good question, answer. Good answer. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> question number two: What is something really weird or unsettling that happens to you, seemingly on a regular basis? Oh, I see nine nineteen all the time on the clock. On the clock, where I see it, I see it somewhere. Nine nineteen. Is that your whole okay number? Yes. That so. Would be but it's my Hoka Hay number because I picked it. You cannot pick your Hoka Hay number. But 919 has always been my favorite number. And and it's not, it's from high school. But anyways, when I was applying for Hoka Hay, Dave Fournier was number 900. And I thought, wait a minute, we are so close to 919. So I called Junie and I said, I'd really like 919. And she goes, and it's not like Tour of Honor where you can pick your number, you know, outside of one through 10. And she said, well, if there's 18 other people, you know, but if there's only 14 more people that apply, you have to take 915. Sure. Well, then someone took 901, 902, 90. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, is there going to be enough people? And then it gets to like 917 and 918. And then Junie let me know, okay, you can have 919. That's awesome. So, yeah. So when I said I was doing the Hokahe Motorcycle Challenge and my number is 919, people from my hometown, they go, that's so crazy. What are the odds? And I go, calm down. I picked, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because even they were like, oh my gosh. So, but we will, there's friends of mine from Indiana that will take a screenshot, like if our phone says nine nineteen, and we'll send it to each other. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. So that's what I that whatever how you worded the question. Yep, your weird you, thing. Yeah, and I, if I see it, I go, oh, nine nineteen. Like you know, I just have to say it out loud. It's like, and it's my tour of honor number. Cool. Yeah. So question number three. What purchase mm-hmm. of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Oh, my gosh. I, I have no idea. Uh, I'm a minimalist. So one of the things I try not to do is buy shit. So I can't even tell you <laughs> what I've spent $100 on. $100 uh, or less. Or less in the last six months. Oh, my gosh. I'd have to get back with you on that one. I have no idea. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So so no answer for question number three. Question number four, what topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED talk on something outside of your main area of expertise? Motorcycle riding. Okay. The final question, question number five, how would you Uh describe motorcycling to somebody that has never ridden a motorcycle? Mm. It is, let me see, it's freedom and my bike name, whatever bike I have, 
and I don't go, hey, hey, Mikey, hey, whatever, you know, everybody has their, their bike. My bike is named by a feeling, and my bike will always be Benzo. Do you get that? Where does Benzo come from? Uh, Benzodiazepine. Okay. <laughs> it's my anti-anxiety. Yep. So I just get on Benzo and it, I mean, you ride, like I'm talking to someone who rides. Yeah. I remember when I first started riding in about an hour of riding, all of a sudden I catch myself going <sighs> and now I do this and I just laugh because I'm like, oh my gosh. As soon as I sit on my bike, I just let out a big sigh. And I was talking to Kathy Foltz about that long years ago. And she goes, that's so funny. I do the same thing. So it is just a, a, a stress releaser. I, I can solve the world pro- world's problems sitting on my bike. Like if somebody were to call, I could be a psychiatrist on a motorcycle. All you have to do is call in, caller number two, you know, ask me a question. I got the answer for you as long as I'm on my bike. That's awesome. Love it. Don't you feel that way? Yeah, totally. And like you said, it takes, it takes a little longer some days than others, but yes, absolutely. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So if you've never ridden that, and I work with people that they go, listen, I've never want to ride a motorcycle, but I like seeing how you like it like they you wish you could have you wish you could bottle it and give it to people and go take this because that's how I feel when I'm on my bike you know and then if they took it they'd go that's a great feeling yeah yeah absolutely so that's the five questions do you have any final parting words for the listeners get out ride call me if you have any questions seriously call me if you have any questions that's it. <laughs> cool. It's so funny because you and I are talking and I know you may feel like you're pulling in from trying to pull information from me, but you know, I can talk. Sometimes I think I don't talk as much, which you're probably like, yeah, you are Dana. But I think I like to, to meet people one-on-one and you just get that, that spark between people. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then people see your passion or something and they go, oh my gosh, like, you know, because I see that before I started riding and I wanted to ride, you see that with people. I remember one guy told me, he goes, yeah, when I'm on my bike, I feel like Superman without the cape. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I totally, I wanted that feeling like, wow, I like what, I like what you just said, you know? So to me, it's getting with people and you're like, you can just sit around and you feed off each other. That's what I like. Yes. Versus people just listening to me and probably just analyzing what I'm saying. So anyways, boy, I'm glad you're editing a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> no, I'm not editing anything. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, um, so where can the listeners follow you? Uh, well, I have a Facebook page. Okay. Dana DRC. Perfect. I will post a link to your Facebook in the show notes. So folks, if you want to follow or get to know more about Dana DRC, 
Click on the link in the show notes. If there's a guest you'd like me to have on the show, let me know and I'll see what I can do. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can follow The Adventures on Facebook or Instagram by looking for The Real Wild Ass. Of course, I am Wild Ass Craig. Thank you all for listening and we will see you again in a couple of weeks. And of course, Dana, I appreciate your service. Thank you for my freedoms and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been long overdue. I love chatting with you. (laughs) Thank you very much. 